guys. You're listening to Mama Knows Podcast with your host, Nina Cavajola, aka Balconina. Join in weekly as she walks alongside you to navigate topics around motherhood, mental health, self-love, and relationships. The good, bad, and funny. When I was pregnant with Mila in 2020, there was a good two-week period of my life that I felt like my world was crushing down on me. I was about 14 weeks pregnant, and I was told that Mila had a 1 in 100 chance of having trisomy 13, 18, or 21, and that was it for me. I was I was devastated. I didn't know who to turn to. I didn't know what to feel, what to think. And it was the longest two weeks of my life. Um, and the story ends very typical. Mila is almost two years old and she is just a happy, typical little girl. However, there are many cases where the mama finds out that her child has a trisomy abnormality or a special need. Not necessarily in pregnancy, but maybe later on, a special need, right? Today, we are talking to Abby Green. She's one of the hosts from Herself Podcast and a very dear friend to me who literally, she's so wise. I I think she's maybe two years older than me, but I feel like she's just this old soul with all the wisdom. And I'm so honored to have her on today. Abby and I are talking about her life in the moment that she found out that she was carrying a baby with Down syndrome. I cried a lot, and I guarantee you'll cry too. This is a very emotional episode. Not only does Abby share her very personal journey with us, she also teaches us a lot in this interview. She teaches us about how to teach our children to learn and talk about kids and humans with special needs. Let's jump in. Hi, Abby. Thank you so much for being here today. I've been so excited to talk to you. I've been meaning to talk to you for what, over a year now on my podcast. And before we dive into this very, very emotional topic for you and also me in some ways, because we know um, I've been in that like genetic testing area of pregnancy. Um, I want you to tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and who you are, what you do. Yeah. So I'm excited to be on this interview today. This is a topic I love talking about. And as an introduction, I mean, I'm like a lot of your listeners. I'm a woman who wears a lot of titles and is just trying to figure out what titles do I want to continue to hold on to. You know, mom, business owner, wife, podcaster. And I'm also a life and business coach, which has been just so fulfilling for myself, but also for the people I work with. And just trying to get one step ahead of where I am today and helping my followers and my community do the same. Yeah, I think you're a badass. Like you do a lot and you do it all so well. And we we know, like Abby and I, for those of you that don't know, we're friends and <laughs> we are very different people, right? I'm like the Amy in the group. <laughs> uh, so. Reel you in, keep you organized, reel you in. <laughs> yes, it's like it's like I need to hire you as my coach for sure. Um, but anyways, today we're talking about Down syndrome and special needs, and just how you navigated that as a first time hearing that something is wrong. So, I want to go back to the moment that you found out something might be wrong in your pregnancy and you needed further testing. Can you tell us a little bit about that moment? 
where you were, what what was going on through your head? Yeah. And I, it's one of those memories that I can remember exactly who I was, what my thoughts were, what I ate for breakfast that day, because it was just such a pivotal moment in my life. Like there, that was a moment that changed the trajectory of my entire life. And it was in the middle of the pandemic. Um, I hadn't done any type of prenatal testing. That's always a question that comes in. I hadn't done any type of doctor care because it was my third pregnancy. I was doing well. I was actually thinking about doing a home birth because doctors were like, if you don't want to come in, don't come in. Like it's everything's high risk right now. So I literally had met with a doctor when I was six weeks pregnant and then didn't meet with a doctor again until I was 21 weeks pregnant. And they were almost going to cancel that 20 week anatomy scan. But I'm like, you know, I haven't seen you guys at all this pregnancy. I kind of just want to check in on this baby, make sure there's one, (laughs) just kind of all those things. And when I went in there, it was, it, it was the pandemic. So think back to any doctor appointment you ever had in the pandemic. Everyone's in masks. Everyone's filling out all these forms. You're standing six feet apart. My husband wasn't able to come and I get into that room and they start the exam and the woman kept on leaving and coming back. And I remember thinking, gosh, this is weird. Everything's just different from my last two pregnancies. It must be, you know, six, six years later, they're just kind of upping their game a little bit, but she kept leaving and coming back and saying, we got to check baby's brain one more time. And then she'd leave and come back one more look at that spine. And then she'd leave and all of a sudden, four or five different people came in. And at this point, it had been, I don't know, an hour and a half. And my other anatomy scans were, you know, 45 minutes, very, very short in comparison to this one. And I'm sitting there being like, wait, what's, what's going on? Why are all these people in my room right now? And all of a sudden, I started hearing these terms. And one said that there's a brain cyst. Another said heart abnormalities. Someone else said bloody bowels. And then someone else said possible chromosomal abnormalities. And everyone is in full PPE apparel. Like, I don't know who's talking. I don't know if they're men or women. Everyone's wearing masks, face shields, and they're just saying all these multiple syllable words as I'm sitting here saying like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I came in to figure out if I was having one baby or two. And all of a sudden you're saying these really, really scary words. And like I said, my husband wasn't there. And so they immediately just like picked me up and they're like, okay, we got to go over to this room. I'm like, okay, okay, what am I doing? And when I went into the first room, they immediately started talking termination. Like that was the first thing. And it was like, you guys, I literally three minutes ago thought that I was having like this healthy pregnancy. And all of a sudden you have to talk about if my baby's life is going to end right now. And they're like, well, in Wisconsin, you only have a, you know, a couple more days to make the decision. I'm like, no, like, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm, this baby is my baby. This baby is meant to be like, I, I, that is my decision. And then you immediately start to think like, wait, is, is Colin on board with this? Hold on. I, I have to call my husband. And because we were in the middle of a, of a hospital, I wasn't even able to reach him. So I'm calling my husband, trying to call my husband, trying to figure out what our next steps are. And I couldn't even reach out to the person who I needed most in that moment. So after that room, I went into a room <clears throat> with a genetic counselor and she was just heaven on earth. And she walked through the possibilities that I had. So because of my age, because of how many soft markers there were, I had a one in 30 chance. And it made me think, you know, can I pause you one in 30 chance for what? For good question. So one in 30 chance of either, um, trisomy 13, trisomy 18 or trisomy 21, trisomy 13 and 18, are generally fatal. Like babies don't 
generally make it through pregnancy or many days on earth. And then trisomy 21 is Down syndrome. Trisomy 21 happens to be the most common chromosomal abnormality. And I had a one in 30 chance of our baby being born with one of these. You know, Abby, you know this. I think you know this. When I had my genetic testing with Mila at 12, 13 weeks, um, and I only had it, I wasn't going to have it. I only had it because they recommended it based on an ultrasound. They told me I had a one in a hundred chance for those three. So uh, I can only like, I can only, I know how I felt. I can imagine. Anyway, proceed with your story. She told you one in 30. Yes. And even when you get that one in 100, it's like, okay, my, I I just think about a room of people, right? So in the one in 100, you think about a speaking engagement with a hundred people watching for the one in 30. I thought about a classroom of people. I'm like, what are the chances that my child would be one of those kids in that classroom? Well, it's not that high, right? It's just, it's just a one in 30 chance. My baby is not a stat. My baby is my baby. And at that point I was really hopeful that our baby would be healthy. And I'm doing these in quotes because that term healthy has just a whole new new name with me now. Like that, Mm -hmm. that term is something that I get nervous with because my baby right now is healthy. He just happens to have an extra chromosome. So it's like, just my, my words have just changed. And through this conversation with you, Nina, and through conversations I have on Instagram, I just, I hope to kind of change the thoughts that we have around these words because I was where you are. Like I was, I was like, please no, like, please no, please don't let my baby have this chromosomal abnormality. And then now that he's here, I'm like, gosh, some of the biggest reasons I love them are because of, you know, the almond eyes and the low set ears and just how goofy and snuggly and, and soft he is. But on that day, on that day, I wanted nothing more than my baby to be typical, than my yeah. baby, baby to be normal. And it was really hard because insurance wasn't covering the next tests. My husband wasn't there to make decisions with me. Like it was all of these things, these decisions I had to make under so much pressure. And I just wish I could go back and just hug that woman who I was three years ago and just hug her and say, it's going to be okay. And today is really rough. Mm. Sink into those feelings, but know that every day after this, it's going to get a little bit more clear, a little bit more certain. And you're going to figure out that this path that you're about to be on was the path you were always meant to be on. You just didn't know it at the time. Oh, (laughs) I I wish uh, we could all say that to ourselves, right? In all aspects of motherhood and although your situation is a lot different, right? You were especially given the pandemic and all that, but there are so many moments in motherhood where whether it's big or little, like you wish you could say to yourself, it's going to be okay. Like strong you is right there ahead of you. She's going to give you a hug. Like, uh, (laughs) but it's not that simple. (laughs) No. And when you're in it, the strong you is so far away. You can't even like touch her. You can't, you can't even see her sometimes. No, you don't even know she exists. Yeah. You don't even know she exists, but she is there. And sometimes you just have to channel her or just, just know that she's there, that that cheerleader, that that mentor, that that coach is there. You just have to work to find her. Yeah. So the genetic counselor was amazing, which I would have to agree with you. Those are the most amazing people, especially in that early. Well, yours for you, it wasn't even early. Like you, you were like halfway done with pregnancy. So what did you do next? How did you find out it was Down syndrome or did you just decide to wait until delivery? Yeah. And I'm not the type of person that can just wait on something like that, which is funny because we waited on the sex of our baby, but I definitely wanted to know 
what, what was going on as far as chromosomes. And people are like, wait, that makes no sense. And I'm like, you know, I have a boy, I have a girl and the sex of my baby, like, what am I going to do? Buy some more blue stuff? I mean, maybe, but figuring out if we're going to have a baby with extra special needs or what the rest of my care looks like, or what those first few days look like after birth, the first few months after birth, I do want to know that. So we opted for something called an amniocentesis. Mm -hmm. And for those of you listening who don't know what that is, it's a very long needle that they insert into your stomach to grab a little bit of amniotic fluid. They test that amniotic fluid and they can get a really, really good estimate on what your baby, who your baby is. And because I didn't have the genetic testing at the 12 weeks, um, only reason for that, I get this question almost, almost every week. Only reason for that is that our insurance didn't cover it. I had two typical pregnancies beforehand. I wasn't really at risk. So just decided not to do it again. Um, But I did opt for the amniocentesis. And it was about a week later, I again went to that amniocentesis by myself. Anybody who has been to that amniocentesis, you know just what an emotional roller coaster it is. It's, It's this pain in your stomach that feels not just like a needle prick, but like you get kicked in the gut with a metal cleat. And then it's this thought process of, please let my baby be okay. Please let my baby be okay. Because there is some risk of, of miscarriage with it. But everything went well. We got our results a few weeks later. And then that was the conversation that really changed everything. Yeah. Did it ever cross your mind? Like, what if it was one of the trisomy 13 or 18? Like, did it ever cross your mind? Like, what am I going to do? And and I know that's a very personal question. So if you don't want to answer it, we can cut this out. But I feel like that's, um, that's a very, uh, what's the word? That's a very uh, sensitive question because it it's safe and okay for us to feel like I can't do this or I can do this, but I'm curious, like, were you ch- were you checking what it was so you could be prepared or were you like i don't know this might change the outcome yeah and i'm i'm very happy to answer that question because i've had friends who have been in both situations i've had a friend who has had a baby with trisomy 18 who decided to end her pregnancy when she found out and i've had a friend who had a baby with trisomy 18 who had that baby baby lived several months, glorious, beautiful months, and then passed away. And so I've seen both and I've seen the challenges and also like the happiness that can come from both of it. In my situation, and this as a mindset coach, I do like to walk my clients through this is what can I control today, this hour, this minute? And in that time, there is no certainty of anything at this point. It's, it's a one in 30 chance of something. So during that, I almost call it like the two week wait, right? Like when you're trying to get pregnant and you, you know, you've done everything that you can as far as, as, as far as having sex and you're trying to wait for that pregnancy test, there's nothing you can do in that time. So during that time, I'm like, I'm just going to think as positively as I can that things are going to be okay and that my life will be figured out as, as it comes. And I think that gave me peace in the moment because there is just so much uncertainty. And at the same time, you can't do a dang thing. Mm. Did you ever have, uh, before your 20-week scan, did you ever have any type of gut feelings that something was wrong? And I hate saying wrong, right? Because Down syndrome is not wrong, but Mm -hmm. something was not right. Something, there was an extra chromosome or something was off on the pregnancy. 
Yeah. And this is a great work time to use the word typical. So typical versus atypical. not typical. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's like a term that everyone in the differences space, so like special needs is a term that some people have problems with. Some people don't. Um, disability is another term, but the word typical versus not typical is pretty much like, yep, we can all agree that having an extra chromosome is not typical. Um, I was very sick with my first baby. I was even more sick with my second baby. And I was really, really, really sick with our third baby. I also took a very early pregnancy test at night and it came back positive. And there's some um, research that shows elevated levels of, I believe it's like the HSG. I'm probably saying those letters wrong, but early pregnancy tests can show up if you do have extra chromosomes. So Mm. looking back, it's really interesting because I'm not an early test taker, but I was having a very, very emotional day. And I took a test at night, which you're again, not supposed to do. And it came back positive. So like looking back, I'm like, did that have any considering? Mm -hmm. Like, did it have anything to do with it? And then just being so sick. I mean, way more sick than the other ones throwing up four five, six times a day for the entire first trimester into second trimester. Um, that also has a little bit of research, but again, if you're pregnant and you're sick, like I was very, very sick with all of them. So (laughs) looking back, I'm like, there really wasn't anything different. It was just like the smallest little things that could have been a possibility, but mother's intuition, zero when it came to, when I got to that appointment, I'm like, there's no way my baby is that statistic. Like, no, I'm having a typical kid here. I mean, there's literally no science to back this statement, but doesn't that kind of like, I don't know, doesn't that kind of prove a point? Like a mother's love literally can't, can't judge anything, right? Like That's, you, yep. you love your baby and it's like, it's the science and it's the technology that creates these like negative things around things that mom will just love, right? Mom will just love, mom will just love, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so you found out Owen had Down syndrome and what were your next steps emotionally as far as like grounding yourself, telling your friends and family, how did your husband react? What what did you do? Yeah, and this is an important part of the story, especially for those listening who might be in it right now, or you have a friend who's going through this. Because when we got the phone call, I was at home, I was taking a nap actually. And then I got up and I had a voicemail and it said, hello, Abby, we have some news. Please give us a call back when you can. And it was like, is this, is this good news? Is this bad news? Like what kind of news is this? And one great thing about the pandemic is that my husband and I worked six feet apart. So I went into his office. I'm like, Hey, let's call her back together. He's like, okay, let's do this. Okay. Like whatever she says, we're good. Right. I'm like, yep, we're good. And at that point, I will say we had um, already heard back that trisomy 13 was out of the picture, that trisomy 18 was out of the picture. So slowly they started giving us information that said, your baby doesn't have these um, these two chromosomal abnormalities. And so when she called, she got right to the point. And she's like, you know, how's your day? We have some news. All of those soft markers are the perfect ind- indication that you're about to have a baby with Down syndrome. Like there's a few resources that I have for you and a few books, but I just want to congratulate you and welcome you to the lucky few. This is where I cry. <laughs> I know. Oh and... It was, she said it in a way that was so, like she had said it a million times and because she had, but she was legitimately congratulating me for having a baby with Down syndrome. Was this and your OB time, or? Nope. This was the, the, the genetic, genetic counselor. Yeah. Yep. Ugh. And when she said it, I was like, in my mind, the first thing I thought was, damn, 
damn it. Like, yeah. like that's me. I have a baby with Down syndrome. Like, how did this happen to me? What did I do wrong? And then why is she congratulating me? Like, this is not good. And then the second I looked at Colin, he gave me a hug and he finished the conversation because I couldn't talk. And he goes, thank you so much for letting us know we'll be in contact. And he held me for, I mean, it was probably 10 minutes. And we just sat there and we cried together and he rubbed my back. And immediately afterwards, he looked at me and he's like, babe, this is our baby. We got this. And it was like those few words that just set the tone to be like, it's not okay right now, but it's going to be like, we got this. And I immediately started my, my go-to move. It sounds very silly, but if you're in this position right now, you might be like, that's not silly. That's what I do too. I literally stared at a wall, Nina, for hours. And I did that on and off for weeks where I would find myself just like sitting down because I was too weak to live and would just sit down and find myself 20, 60, 90, 120 minutes later, still in the same place, staring at nothing. My husband, he does things a little differently. He immediately went to Google. So his coping mechanism is research. What can I solve? What can I do now to prepare ourselves? What, what can I figure out? So I think that both coping mechanisms, uh, it's your own coping mechanism. It's what you naturally do in those situations. It's, it's what comes to you. And if I would have forced Colin to sit with me, it wouldn't have been good. And if he would have forced me to look at Google, it wouldn't have been good. So I think that that was one thing that we learned is that let each other cope in a way that works well for them. And if you're a friend who has a friend going through this right now, figure out what they need not what exactly would work well for you because that's what's going to help them get through this tough time. Mm. How did you tell your friends? And I want to know how they reacted and how if you were telling your friends again or if you were educating a group of people on how to react when someone tells you news like this, what advice do you have? So that was kind of a three-parter there. Yes, that's such a good question. I'm so glad you asked that. Not many people asked me this question and I think it's a really important one. Um, the first person we called was, I'm gonna. I'm just actually gonna say different names here. So we called family members first. Mm -hmm. So um, we called family member number one and this person immediately responded with, <gasps> are you sure? That has to be wrong. My friend's sister had the same type of diagnosis and that baby came out totally fine. You're going to be fine. Hung up the phone. We started crying. We're like, that is, was not, that did not feel well. Like that did not feel good at all. So that type of initial shock is natural for some people, but being able to kind of hone in and be like, okay, what can I do in this situation? Take a beat and move on. Second person we called was that immediately responded with, you got this. This baby was meant to be for you. Like you're going to be the best special needs parent. Um, I'm so excited for you guys. Like think about the life that this baby is going to live, which felt a little bit better, but it was also a little bit of toxic positivity at this point. And it was like too much. I'm like, I'm not ready to be happy right now about this. I just, I just want support. I just want to tell people. I just, I just want to say someone to be there with me. And then person number three was Colin's dad. And Colin's dad is, you know, a man in his 60s. He's been married twice. He has just one kid. And I mean, at first we were a little bit nervous to call him and be like, what, what's he going to say? But we called him and he had the perfect response. And he said, Colin, I'm here with you. This baby is going to be so loved because you're their dad. 
what can I do? I'm sending you some lunch. Or he said something like he ended with like, I'm sending you, sending you some kind of food. Always send food. <laughs> always, always send food. Literally, I'm like, it's always send food. You can never go wrong with sending food or walking their dog. Um, and it was perfect. And that just like set the stage of like, okay, there are, there, this is going to work out. Like we're going to figure this out. But if I were to do it all over again, I wouldn't have called people. I would have sent them text messages. Mm -hmm. Um, I did that with my friend, Amy. So Amy is my closest friend, my best friend in the world. She was in on some of the beginning conversations. It was the pandemic. So we hadn't seen each other in person for weeks and weeks and weeks at this point. But I remember sending her a text message and she responded back in a very similar way as Colin's dad, just perfectly like, I'm here for you. I know this is a change of plans. Um, I love you. Like, I'm, let's go get coffee kind of a deal. Mm -hmm. And it's it just sets them up so that they can take a beat and they can pause and they can think instead of immediately phone calling them and they're surprised just like you are. Mm -hmm. I actually, I, I like that, the text message. I actually, uh, when I was pregnant with Mila, I had a friend who had been trying to get pregnant for seven years literally, and just major infertility issues. And I didn't know how to tell her and I needed her to know early because I didn't want her to find out from others. I wrote her a letter. I actually yes. wrote her a letter and yes. I was like, "I this is because I want you to have your own reaction, whether you're mad at me or, you know, whatever it is and call me when you want. So I love that advice yeah. is text messages. And then what I'm hearing you say is response from others is just listen and say you're here. Yes. No, no, yes. no negativeness, no happiness. Just I'm here. I love you. We got this. We got this. And this is right? for any, this is for any type of news that you're getting, right? It's yeah. it's not, it's it's pregnancy news, it's diagnosis news, it's you know, somebody has lost a life type of news. Because in all of this, you're grieving. Mm -hmm. In all of this, like I was grieving the life that I had thought I was gonna live. I was grieving the thought of a typical baby. Like we, mm -hmm. we're grieving here. Yeah. And so if you can help somebody with just letting them know that you are there by their side, that's sometimes all anyone needs in those mm -hmm. moments. You know, you and I are both on social media and you know this, I've shared it with you before, but I find that there's either a lot of toxic positivity or people just want to give you solutions and advice immediately. Yes. Sometimes like when someone's talking about something, especially if it's something difficult in motherhood and life, th sometimes they just need to talk about it. They don't, they're not asking you for advice or for your experience or tips and stuff. So definitely something I want my listeners to take away is listening is the best medicine you can give to your loved ones. Amen. Right? Amen. Um, so how has your family dynamic changed with, do I, okay, so correct me here. Do I say special needs kiddo or do I say a typical, I, like that's yeah, another and, thing. I want you to educate us here. Yes. Yeah. So, and let's go into kind of like both of those parts of it. So the special needs community or the disability community, like those are all words that are like, everyone goes back and forth on, ah, that one hurts. Ah, that one hurts. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's hard when you're talking with a big group of people. Um, what's best is when you're talking one-on-one -on -one with another parent, just be like, what would you prefer? Like, what would you prefer in this, in this conversation? Um, in the Down syndrome community, they, we like to refer to it as first person language. So it's not a Down syndrome baby. It's mm -hmm. my baby who has Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. It's a tiny piece of him. It's not the whole him. Um, so that's one thing that like having a baby with Down syndrome in our family has definitely changed some things. I mean, we spend a lot more time with Owen because of his therapies and his doctor appointments and making sure that he's 
moving and growing in the ways that he needs to. But for the first two and a half years of his life, like right now, he just feels like a baby. Mm-hmm. Like he just feels like our littlest. Mm-hmm. And right now, like is he's two and a half years old. He's about the size of a 13 or 14 month old. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I'm like, I just get to hold on to my third baby a little bit longer. Like <laughs> what yeah. a gift is this? Like those snuggles last a little bit longer. The 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 naps last a little bit longer. Like everything just lasts a little bit longer, which mm-hmm. can be frustrating if I could see it being frustrating if you're a first time mom and you're trying to hit all those milestones or if you're comparing two children against each other. But that's one thing that I've learned is that Owen has taught me so much about parenting, about not comparing our kids because every single one of them truly is unique and special in their own ways. They have their own gifts. They have their own challenges, regardless of how many chromosomes that they have. But treating every child uniquely is something that I didn't do before I had a child with special needs. Like I was very much in comparison mode with my first two. And it wasn't fair because they're different children with very different strengths, but I was trying to mold them into the same type of box because that's just how my brain works. And I do think that it's a really good lesson just for your entire community of every child is just different and treating them uniquely is the most important thing in parenthood. um, Even if it looks different for each child. Mm -hmm. I have a really, this is the question I'm most excited about because I have littles. I have a four and a half year old who wants to know everything and anything about everyone. He sees a person with bald head. He wants to know why don't they have hair? He sees a person with a prosthetic. Why Why do they have a metal mm-hmm. leg? See someone in a wheelchair. Why can't they walk? So I, I, I feel pretty confident answering his questions in a respectful way. However, I'm no pro. And we are... Um, I love the era we're in. We're in the era of accepting everyone and everything, right? But how would you educate parents to educate their little children on how to talk to and about children that have special needs? Not only Down syndrome, but Mm -hmm. just anything, right? Autism, anything. Yep. You see a child in a wheelchair or a child who has extra energy or a child yeah, without autism, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, like there's all these different things that make them different. And children are meant to put people, things, objects, and categories. That's how we learn colors and numbers. That's how we learn states and warm versus cold. Like that's, it's part of developing is putting things in categories. So if you see a child who's in a wheelchair versus a child who's not in a wheelchair, instantly you're like, oh, that kid's in a wheelchair. That kid is different because they're in a wheelchair. Um, you know, this kiddo has, has Down syndrome. And right now, Right now, Owen is so little that people don't notice, sorry, children don't notice quite yet, Mm -hmm. but he's starting to get to the point where older kids are like, oh, something's different about him. Mm -hmm. And I want to share a quick story about Lucy. So Lucy is six and she explains, she explains this so well. And I think that any kid or any parent can learn from her. And it was funny because we talk about differences a lot. We read the books. We, it's just part of our conversation that everyone looks different. And she went up to the cashier at our local grocery store just a few months ago. And she goes, you know what? My brother has Down syndrome. And I'm like, oh gosh, where is this going to go? Like it's in the middle six o'clock rush. And she goes, some people are tall. Some people are short. Some people are big. Some people are little. Some people have hair. Some people don't have any hair. Some people have two arms. Some people don't have any arms. Some people have Down syndrome. Some people don't. They're not better or worse. It just makes them different. 
like, you know what? <laughs> yes. Everyone has something, right? We all are different for something. You know, some people have dark hair, some people have light hair, some people don't have any hair at all. And some people have Down syndrome. It just makes them different in a different way. Have you ever heard of the book Bodies? You know what? Yes. It is the and best I'm, book yes. ever. <laughs> we should yes, literally I read it, one in a while, but I need to again. It yes. Literally sounds like what she just said. There's Every single shape, size. I mean, there's people with alopecia, like all everything you can think yes. of is in that book. Down syndrome, everything. So anyways, so uh, love Lucy. <laughs> love her <Yes>. energy. <laughs> when a kid, say you're, this is where I, I feel like parents might struggle. Say you're at the zoo, a family walks by you and a little boy says, oh, mom, that boy looks different. Look at his eyes. What, what you know, what mm-hmm. the mom's probably like, oh my God. That's so embarrassing. Let's run away, you know, or like what, what would you expect that mom to do? Or what would you appreciate if that mom did Mm -hmm. next? Uh, What a powerful question, Nina. What a powerful question because an immediate thought, and I have it too, with other kinds of differences is like, like, shut your mouth. Do not say it. Turn away. Hopefully didn't hear. But then that scares that kid, right? Like, oh, should I be scared of this kid? Exactly. And it's, it's a scary thing. And this is a teachable moment. So the scariest times in parenting are teachable moments, right? But you have a choice. You can fight or you can flight. You can also freeze, but that doesn't help anybody. So in this situation, we're not going to flight. We're going to fight. We're going to get down to their level and we're going to say, huh, I see that boy too. Okay. Let's talk about the things that you see that are different. Oh yeah. That little boy does have different eyes than you. Oh yeah. I noticed that his ears are really, really small too. Is his tongue hanging out? Yeah, his tongue is hanging out. And you're right. He's not talking. He's not talking, even though your little sister is much younger than him and she can talk. What do you see that's the same? Oh, yeah. He does have the same hair color as you. Oh, is he wearing a Superman shirt? You love Superman. So just being able to say, yes, I noticed those differences too. And you know what? I noticed the similarities. That little boy is so much more like you than he is different. I can't talk right now because you just made me cry with that. That's awesome. That is so sweet. I love that because I think everyone can learn a little something from that. Grownups especially. We are so much more alike than we are different. We're so much more alike than we are different. And I think that we grew up, I mean, definitely our parents grew up in a generation that was like no talking about it, like sweep under the rug. We grew up a little bit, a little bit closed off, but I think that we have this incredible opportunity as parents to open up the invite to see the differences and not be scared of the differences and then to see the similarities and be able to latch onto those. Because I watch Owen play with his friends and I watch him play with people who know that he has Down syndrome and they don't treat him any different. Like they treat him like he's a little bit younger than he is because he can't climb upstairs. He can't talk yet. His tongue is always hanging out. But you know what? He's the cool kid on the block because he always has a silly face. And it's like these people are like latching on to the cool things about him because he's so giggly and responsive and he hugs everyone. And it's like, that's what they notice. Not that he has something different that is scary. Yeah. And for those that haven't checked out Abby's page yet, you have to go just watch some videos of Owen. He he literally just brings so much light into my life. So does Lucy, though. She's 
<laughs> I know this is about those her, two but... together. Those two together, man. Like they're gonna they're gonna oh do speeches God. on stages someday. I Best advocate out there. I cannot wait. Yes, that's gonna be amazing. Um, Abby, you've shared so much amazing stuff here today and I love your heart for that and thank you for making me cry I feel like we manifested that through text message we did we did (laughs) I warned you I warned you ahead of time (laughs) you did um but before we wrap it up here I want everyone to know where they can find you um especially those moms that do need that support or in similar situations and shoes uh your social handles anything that you can share with us Yeah, I'm sharing my story and very cute images of our almond-eyed, sweet little baby boy over at Abby Rose Green on Instagram. And then also on the Herself Podcast, Nina, you've been a guest twice now over on the Herself Podcast. It's a great resource for moms. Um, And episode 22 was recorded six days post-diagnosis. So if you're in the throes of it right now and are having a hard time, know that it's a very real, very, very vulnerable conversation about all my thoughts going through my head at that time and how you can support somebody during that transition. Awesome. Thank you so much, Abby. And give those kiddos a little hug for me and let's chat again soon. Oh, I would love to. Thanks again, Nina. Okay. And now that I've recovered from all those tears, I'm sorry for all the nose sniffling too. I just couldn't help it. Uh, what a beautiful and what a powerful story. Abby is truly incredible for educating and just having the heart in it. You know, you can feel how she just gets it. She understands. She is not shameful of anybody who doesn't understand. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you subscribe make sure you leave a review and follow on all socials. Let's chat again soon.